0: Always on the side of the oppressed, always on the side of the workers. Those are the principles that animate me, and organisations come and go.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Irish Left Archive podcast. I'm Inga Storey, and with me is Kieran Swan. In this episode, we'll be talking to Con Brannock about his political experience as a member of the Workers' Party, with whom he was elected a local councillor in Dunleer in 1991, subsequently joining Democratic Left when that party split. Uh, and about his own political development and later involvement with the Irish Socialist Network and activism in Scotland. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please do subscribe, and we'd be glad to hear your feedback as well. You can visit the Irish Left Archive at leftarchive.ie. Much of the material in the Archive has come from people sending us either physical copies or digital scans of left political documents. So if you have any material you think could be included, please do get in touch via the website or email us at contact@leftarchive.ie. Thanks very much to Colin for talking to us for this episode and thank you for listening. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, could you start by telling us a little bit about how you first became politically involved?
0: Yeah, so I guess my my family background in two ways um, sent me on that journey. First of all, um, my, uh, on my father's side, my family was had a long tradition of republicanism. My great grandfather was uh, Thomas Walsh. was a Fenian prisoner in the IRB. Okay. Um, my grandfather Maurice Walsh was a member of the IRB when he was fifteen or sixteen. Uh, he was in Limerick and took part in the sixteen rising. Except they never got to fight. He was in uh, the first brigade of the uh, was it the first Corps brigade uh, of the IRA uh, in the War of Independence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was the OC of the IRA prisoners in um, Spike Island in 1921 when the truce happened. He took part in the Civil War on the Republican side. He fought and was captured, I think, in Tipperary uh, towards the end of the Civil War. So, um, and, and, and he was also an uh, active trade unionist. He was president, I think, I've been told, of the Cork City Council of Trade Unions during the 1930s. Uh, so, it, so there was a strong... Very strong Republican tradition. My my own father, who's passed away, um, was certainly had Republican politics. Although as a, he was a senior civil servant, so he wasn't able to be, he wasn't a member of a party, but his sympathies would have been broadly Republican, certainly more Republican than Fianna Fáil, um, although not necessarily. He, he was he was not happy with the provisional's armed campaign and so on, but he, he collected for the Green Cross and so on. so the on the one hand that was one tradition a leftish republican family on the other hand my 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 family were were devoutly catholic and even for ireland in the 1960s and 70s they were really devout um uh, and that undoubtedly had an influence on me uh, and and we were also gay okay, irish speaking uh, my my parents were revivalists they had uh, and, and so when you put all those weird things into the mix, by the way, my, my father was although he was Republican and sort of leftish, was really anti-communist as well, like really? anti-orthodox yeah. communist, and and because of the religious sense. So so ironically, he he he, he in relation to the Spanish Civil War. He, he remembered his own father walking out of mass and taking him out when the priest denounced the Republicans and the people mm-hmm. fighting for, against. But at the same time he was given, he, I remember him giving out, but those Republicans killed all the priests and you know, so there was yeah. contradictory. But one thing was he was anti-imperialist to his core. I remember him talking about Vietnam and Ho Chi Minh and saying they're right. And it was basically the little guy, whoever the little guy was. And In a way, I veered a long way away from it, but my dad would laugh at this, but I I came right back to it in a way, you know. Um, So that was my background, and I was brought up in that kind of strange... uh, People outside of Ireland don't understand that that mishmash of something that's hard to categorise, that what are quite left-wing views, and in some way socially, and in particular in relation to the question of women and the equality Mm -hmm. of women, my father, and and the milieu he was in was quite... I guess I have to say reactionary in some ways, yeah. uh, without being mm. vicious or anything like it. Like mm. that, you know, So that was my background. And I guess when I was in my teens, um, I was quite right-wing actually in a Catholic sort of way. You know, I love mm. my saints and so on. I remember my dad actually laughing because from an election in France and he was saying the socialists won. I, I, it must have been an early election or something. I don't know what, which one it was. but uh, And I was going, oh, that's terrible because the Catholic mm. church is going to be, is, that's not good my dad, right. had <laughs> But I'd say when I was about 14 or 15, I think the key thing that turned me as well, there was the potential there was my dad had a library of, as you found in many, that was the thing about Irish Republicanism. It encouraged reading. It was a bit like the yeah. socialist tradition. My dad had a library, a shelf full of books with Wolf Tone and Thomas Davison, mm. the whole lot there. And I remember reading the book about Wolf Tone, and my grandfather had left my uh, James Conley, uh, original edition of Labour and Irish History, and I started reading them, wow. and then I started making the connections between yeah. this kind of vague social justice Catholicism, this Republicanism, mm-hmm. and that. From that, on. and as a kid in the seventies, coming on the late seventy, mid seventies, I, I even be, remembered that the good IRA was the official IRA and the bad IRA, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. contrary to my father, uh, because. Mm-hmm. They were the left wing IRA in there, and so yeah, and and from there that was it. And 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 actually, at school, Tony Gregory was one of my teachers, a history teacher. And although I wouldn't have seen it at the time, I think that would have also mm. played a role in me heading leftward. So that that was my rather strange <laughs> uh, uh, childhood, which led to me towards left wing politics initially. Anyway, you know.
2: And how did you get involved with the double in the Dublin in? SFWP, I guess. Was uh, it, it
0: was almost by accident. I think I, don't, I, I, I started getting interested, I would say, around 79, 80. And I, I went to uni, I think it was in 1981, in UCD. Mm-hmm. And there was a, there was the, the party was strong still in the student union. And there, uh, Maura Layden was a, a student union president. And she was very active in the party. And there were others. Um, but to be honest with you, I could have gone any direction. Because my politics were socialist and republican, and I could have gone any direction, and I think I could easily have joined the CPI, possibly not Shin, provisional Sinn Fein at that stage, but the IRSP. I remember thinking and so on. <laughs> but but what drew me to the W P was the fact that it was it was the party that was going places. In t- I don't mean that in in terms of a sort of opportunistic way, but it was the party that seemed to be a real party that had a that had roots and so on. And that's why I joined it. And actually I was interested in Trotsky and everything before that, but you know, very quickly once I joined it, I kind of battered my myself into ideological orthodoxy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And and so I I think I joined it. I probably started working with the WP in 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 1981 and probably joined it, I'd say in eighty two or that, but mm-hmm. I was already active in the Dunleary area. And that was the good thing with the WP in college. They didn't let you just stay in college going on and have a nice public means. They made you join a local branch. That's right. Yeah. I joined I was I lived in Monkstown. Quite an affluent area as you know, but um I always say this less than a mile away from where I lived in Monkstown was they've knocked them down now were Mountwood Flats, which were public housing built in the nineteen 19- 50s early 1960s Mm -hmm. poorest area you could imagine in Dunleary and I didn't even know they existed but when I joined the WP I had to go down there and I had to work there and I was part of a branch that included members there and boy that was a that was an education for me Mm -hmm. and that was the good thing about the WP it was that at a local level it was really rooted so yeah there was plenty of middle class people or upper class people whatever you want to call it in theory, yeah. there was, but there was a real solid working class base to start with, and it expanded yeah. around. And so, after that, like, where did it
2: go? Like, your involvement? Did you did you dabble in student politics? Like, this would have been the student princes would have been and gone almost. Yeah, they're stage. gone
0: at that stage, and the WP are just losing. They've lost control. They lost control in the early eighties of USI, mm-hmm. which had been their puppet, as it were. The student princes have moved on into SIPTU, 2 and they're into the local areas, and so. Um, no, and I'm, uh, it's one of the things I'm grateful for because I had quite a negative view of student politics. I saw it as wasteful and not advancing the, the, the cause, as it were. And so I was yeah. never seriously involved in student politics. I didn't stand for Student Union election. So I was active on the ground in Dunleary, and that was my first thing of just campaigning, just being an ordinary branch member. A big We we had a big branch. Dunleary branch split then into... Dunleary, Ballybrack, Shankill, Black Rock, there were a number of branches then uh, as it expanded rapidly and that was my main activity but I I then got involved in Workers' Party Youth, so Workers' Party Youth, I'm not sure when they formed it, the IDYM had been the old thing before that Mm -hmm. but they were gone, WPY I was involved Probably from the beginning of that with Ken McHugh, who some of you might know, Ken. Sports against racism. Yeah, thing. very active in in sports against racing. Great work Ken does there. Yeah. Um. Ken was involved later on. Uh, Fergal Ross, uh, Punchius's son, and um, and others. Europe. Um. Yeah. And I was very active in that. Very active. Um. And then I just because of my in- a nerdish interest in international affairs, being a geographer doing a geography degree, I got involved Ooh. in the international affairs committee, and I worked very closely with Sean O'Keeffe.
2: From oh, the old yeah. timers
0: yeah, yeah yeah sean was the strange fellow but yeah good fellow in a lot of ways but uh, sean sean was the, the international secretary for years and years and uh, i worked great. with him so i was i was operating on, and in a way i was that gave me an insight which maybe other people didn't at a local level because i was operating at three levels there which brought me into the national level as well with international one, that was interesting because my interest initially was kind of broad. And I, I think when I went in, I know that when I went in, I definitely wasn't an orthodox communist, you know, I wasn't. Mm. But mm. I guess I absorbed the, the aura. Sean O'Connor. Yeah, from and Sean, <laughs> you know, Sean was really an old-fashioned Republican mm. who had stuck with the party. And there was many people like this. He, I'm not saying he wasn't he was left-wing. He was left-wing, but he wasn't. He Definitely wasn't a communist. He wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't a Marxist. Yeah. He wasn't an anyist. He was a Republican. Yeah. yeah. And he was a left-wing Republican. And that's what he was. And he was a party man. And he he did. Yeah. And so Sean would do whatever had to be done for the international thing. So, but I got I was really interested and I got involved. And and I, I remember um uh she's passed away since, but uh, one of Owen Harris's main allies, Patricia Redwich, um oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who was a psychologist and was in the Dunbility branch and Patricia, I remember Patricia Redditch saying to me, how come you're getting all these trips? I've been in the party for years and you never, you know, because I'd be skipping off to, I'd be doing the work on the ground, but I'd be skipping off to, I was in Uzbekistan and Belarus and eventually North Korea and, you know, all over the place and going on to delegations and so on. So, yeah, and I'm honest, Now, to be honest with you, I didn't do it because I wanted free holidays and that, but looking back on it, it was very interesting. Uh, And I would have been orthodox and I would have gone along with the stuff. And our line always, and even in Workers' Party Youth, when I kind of led the kind of international bits there, was the only thing that matters is our revolution. Anything else goes. So what we do is for the good of our revolution. In terms of dealing with the Eastern Bloc people, All right, well, yeah. we did do a lot of good work with solidarity stuff, like we raised money for Nicaragua. I remember piling bikes onto a train uh, in Dublin with Sean O'Cunney to send down to Shannon, which were being sent to Nicaragua. Uh, the wow. FMLN, ANC, we raised money. So you know, with the liberation mm-hmm. movements, we did. Do so. What I think was good work, but mm-hmm. with the Eastern European things, I think people have got it a little bit wrong. They think that some people in the party, I think De Sohagen and people like that, really bought into the Soviet thing. But a lot of the yeah. others didn't. They were just pragmatic. They were pragmatic. Mm-hmm. They thought, we'll get. Let's get what we can out of these boys, and also let's stop these lads from supporting the Provisionals. That was one yeah. of the big things we were at. Mm-hmm. I'm not excusing it. I think. It, I, I think it was. a I I think it was morally and. Um, ideologically wrong, but I'm mm-hmm. just explaining what. Yeah. By the way, I got kicked off the WP International Committee because I'm Did very you? proud of it. Yeah. Because of when I came back from North Korea, I, 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 I said, we have to break relations with these. They're fascists, basically. And I wrote a document and uh, they all disagreed. McGillah, John Gallagher, led later DL, and so on, nice man as well. I had a lot of time for him, but they all disagreed with me for pragmatic reasons. They said, we can't. No, no, we can't. And I was going. This is bad. We have to break with them, break with China, and everything. And then next thing, I wasn't being nominated
2: <laughs> My own experience of the party was weirdly the North sometimes seems to be a much lesser thing than people seem to think in retrospect. And because you were so busy on the ground, but I mean, did you have that experience? Well, on the international committee, you wouldn't. You'd have to be dealing with the North. Yeah, so how did that?
0: Y- yeah, we did. And I think it's fair to say that for most people on the ground, they, uh, as far as I know, uh, as I experienced it in Leary, the average member really didn't, didn't know much about the North. They bought into the North thing mainly because the party mm. was in favour of peace. And they bought that, you know, and mm. there's nothing wrong with that. But they didn't understand the intricacies of it. And they certainly didn't know, really understand, nor, nor were they told really, nor did they buy into the pro-Soviet stuff. They, they just didn't get that. So most people on the ground either ignored it or didn't know about it and thought, I'm in a socialist party it's the party that looks after working class people, and that was. And I'm not derogating that because mm-hmm. if you have a mass socialist party, that's what you have and get. So to be fair to most people, once the WP grew, they were re- they really were unaware of a lot of this stuff. Um, yeah. they, they didn't read the Sunday Tribune. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't. They didn't read the Sunday Tribune or watch Today Tonight or whatever it was. They just. So yeah. So at a local level, I though knew, I definitely was more tuned into what was going on in the North because of the International Committee and Workers' Party Youth. So Workers' Party Youth was small. It it encompassed a small number of people, but we had strong connections with the youth in Belfast and we would go up there regularly to the clubs and stay there and so on. So I certainly um, had strong connections with people there and and knew people there and visited there frequently
2: yeah if your opinion shifted on the orthodox side did your opinion shift on the north as well if you come in as a republican did you feel that you were you'd modified your view or were you still a republican but a anti-provisional republican or how did it work do you think
0: yeah it's hard to say i think for a while i did see myself as republican still but that kind of faded and i stopped using that word because it became associated mm-hmm. in my mind with the officials and so i, I had that weird thing you know that I think I shared with a lot of the older members of still seeing myself as in favor of United Ireland, but but having no problem in attacking anyone who advocated the United Ireland in practical yeah. terms. I, I, it's just bizarre. I, I I believe that we were fighting for a socialist Republic and all Ireland. But if anyone even mentioned the idea that and the United Ireland would be good, we'd have all the attack lines that a unionist yeah. would have. And it yeah. was, mm. It was schizophrenic in, 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 in you know, but, but it made sense because we were the real Republicans. We were the real ones who were fighting for it and everyone else were nationalists and so on. But I would, so it's I, it's difficult to understand that. I mean, the word Republican, I still have a bit of a difficulty. Well, I'll talk later about Scotland, but because it is. We have to recognize what words are to most people rather than what we like them to be. And to most people in a lot of circumstances, it meant nationalist. And and Mm -hmm. that was problematic, you know. Uh, But yeah, I would have been, if you, I remember in the late 80s arguing in Dunleary that we should continue with selling the Easter lilies when it became an optional thing. And we made Mm -hmm. a lot of money from them. We'd have a race with the provosts up and down the main street in Dunleary, the working class pubs in the center of Dunleary to see who would get there first, because who got there first Mm -hmm. got the money. Yeah. People didn't differentiate. And yeah. and we didn't lie around that we just go in, Easter lilies, Easter lilies. And people would sometimes ask, which one is it? And we'd say, it's the... They'd say it's the official, it's the official ones. But sometimes they just put it... And sometimes people would put money in saying, oh, that probably wasn't put money in, and we'd take it out. But, <laughs> uh, but I remember arguing that we should continue it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I remember in that discussion that there was some strong views that people felt... Jimmy Jordan, I don't know if you know him, Jimmy is... I, Name about. Jimmy was a union official. It would have been more of the old style of the Socialist mm. Republicans. And Jimmy and me arguing, we can't abandon these things, the Irish language, so on, to the, because we're abandoned to the provisional mm. and so on. Uh, although in Dunleary, too, you had another element, which was there was a strong middle class element who were maybe dominant ideologically, mm. uh, we later went on to form the core of the L, I think, there. And they would have been very hostile. They bought the unionist stuff. <laughs> yeah.
2: They were the Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny because your experience of... It's, it was very multi-stranded
0: in a way that people on the outside didn't realise uh, it, uh-huh. you know. it, it, yeah. it. It was a multi-platform, multi-faction party that didn't admit that it was yeah. a multi-factional party. Mm-hmm. And there was a rule. The top people, the people in the know could be in factions, but the ordinary Joe subs could not be. So it was, it was utterly elitist in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the factions existed at, at i've always used that term elite factions uh, mm-hmm. you had the Owen harris Smollin axis the, the that faction very organized um they, they did have true small some they had people in branches and so on as you'll know here <laughs> over yeah. in your end um, oh, yeah. um but the and then you had the the kind of what would have been called Eurocommunist trend, as Gertie mm-hmm. Ericson, that kind of faction, Patterson, and so on, and mm-hmm. and, and you had the old Re- the Republican faction, the, the O'Higgins and Sean Garland and so on, which dominated the other group <laughs> That's in true, the party. Yeah. yeah. So by by eighty eight, eighty nine, obviously things were
2: changing. Obviously the Soviets themselves were changing. Mm-hmm. There was a sense of Russia was changing, Gorbachev, etc, etc. and you. And it's interesting because I was I was saying beforehand I was flicking through the the last revolution where there's no less than seven mentions of your name I think, <laughs> but in it it makes the point and we have some of this material up in the left archive that you were one of those who seemed to be pushing very consciously by eighty eight eighty nine, maybe even a bit earlier actually, towards what was unfortunately now but. Then probably a much better name, the Third Way. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> and, and, and it was Blair who stole it from us. Um, yeah. No, no, we stole it. And the, the origin of the Third Way is that after World War One, as you know, there was the split between the first and second internationals when turn was formed. But what people don't know is there was a significant number of people in the social democratic parties who wouldn't who favored the russian revolution but wouldn't agree to the terms that lenin demanded the, the terms of submission and they formed the second and a half international and they yeah. called the term third way and so on and that's where it comes from and later on in this in the 1930s uh, there was another sort of international based in london the london bureau which was made up of mm-hmm. left wing socialist and dissident communist groups including yeah. the POUM in in spain the ILP and, and and that was also a kind of third way. It was yeah. not meant to be. It's not social democracy. It's the third way between social democracy and communism: the democratic yeah. socialism. Now, I'd st- I'd be critical of that. Now, I would consider myself to be a, a revolutionary socialist. I wouldn't use those, those terms. But that was the mm-hmm. evolution that that happened to me in the mid to late eighties. And there was a few things that brought that about. One of them. I think the Gorbachev thing certainly precipitated a lot of stuff and going to the Soviet Mm -hmm. Union and seeing stuff there. But secondly, there were some influences, the kind of Gramscian thing, which was popular and later morphed into the postmodernist and Marxism today stuff. That Mm -hmm. kind of influence of Gramsci uh, was strong. Um, And just a realization of what was wrong in the party, that there was real serious problems, both Mm -hmm. with... The old guard and the kind of orthodox stuff, but also with the social democratic direction of the parliamentary people as well. And that yeah. so we meant not just a third way between social democracy and com orthodox communism, but between between the two wings of the party. I think we were conscious yeah. of that, yeah. And we began to actively sort of organise. Strangely enough, an, a group that had a quite an influence on my understanding and thinking was the independent Labour publications group in Britain.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, they were a
0: strange little group. They were they had grown out of the Independent Labour Party, which had been there at the start yeah. of the Labour Party in Britain. Very strong, mm. had broken away in the thirties under James Maxton, the famous Glaswegian MP for a kind of because Labour had gone into coalition, had mm. not gone with the communists and so on. And had been very strong in the thirties, but after during World War Two had faded and their remnants, still existed. They'd gone into the Labour Party again in the 70s, and they were small, but they had some links with the WP, and it was strange. They were libertarian Mm. socialists, that's what they called themselves. Mm. But they had links with the WP because they liked the WP's position on Northern Ireland.
2: That's it, I remember that. And
0: therefore they had strong links. So ironically, a really anti-Stalinist group at strong links, and we had links with them through the Works Party Youth. We went to their conferences, and I read their magazines and paper. And yeah. it was the first time I'd come across that actually to oppose communism didn't mean you had to defect to social democracy, but there was another option, and that would have influenced me as well. You know, ironically, they went, they kept going, and they went in the wrong direction, and they turned into sort of left-wing excuses for Blairism. They excused right up until some of them excusing the war supporting the war in 2003. So ironically, they
1: oh, they
0: took a trajectory that took them in a strange direction. Some right. of
2: I remember their publications on sale at, at Ardeshin and stuff like that. There was always some ILP stuff. In the yes. Background. They did a
0: weekly paper, or, I think, or it was yeah. a month, the the Labour Leader uh, and they had a magazine right. as well. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. It's like, like, along the same lines, it's like people went over, party members went over to the, the UK, would be given K-Hoies uh <laughs> party number you know that was where you were meant to go because kate hoey's obviously sound on the north whatever yeah. about the rest of her politics and, and they did
0: that was pragmatism on the party side and it was a bit mm. like the the motivation of connecting with the ilp or with kate Howe was a little bit to be fair like the motivation for connecting with the soviet union mm. <laughs> on a much grander scale always mm. yeah. so
2: so did you find there was a lot of pushback uh, you know you and a number of others um virgil ross obviously um and I don't know if John O'Neill was involved. Yeah, John
0: Fergal, good. myself, some Dunleary people, um, Joe Ruddick, a comrade of mine, a good friend of mine, Thomas uh, yeah. um, Dwyer, uh, um Orlo Connor is now head of the National uh, Women's Council. Various people were um involved at that stage. And we mm. were a loose amalgam. We worked together, we were all involved in works party youth, many of us were, and we actually we actually did a little um we actually tried to do a little publication called Socialist Digest. I don't know if nice. any, uh, it's any... Yeah. Yeah, it's in the so archive. Yeah. So we had a yeah. few issues of it. And basically what we did, you could do this at the time. We just fought, we just robbed uh, articles out of New Left Review and other places that kind of went <laughs> along our politics line. Stuff by the Workers' Party in Brazil before they went where they went and so on. And we'd push it. And it was internal. We we got the Repsol to, to print it for us because the RASA... <laughs> Uh, Fergal got the RASA to push them to print it for us, even though they didn't like it. And then we circulated it for free within the party. So it was our factional magazine without being a factional magazine. Uh, but, you know, to be honest with you, we weren't very well organised. We just mm-hmm. we were a group who wanted to push mm-hmm. a certain sort of politics. And and the reason we could get away with it was no one took us seriously. <laughs> the old The hardliners just... Said ah, yeah. they've got their trots, but they're harmless trots, uh, and and the the parliamentary people saw no harm in it because they saw it as a kind of wedge against the orthodox politics. Right. Yeah. So so no one took us, no one took umbrage at us, mm. and no one paid the slightest bit of attention to us either. And we didn't have the heft. Uh, yeah. And this is my, this is just history. You can't rewrite history. Another few years, maybe a bit more toughness. We could have had something in place that would have survived the collapse of the WP, but we didn't. And what happened when the WP collapsed, we just all went our own directions, either dropped out, went with one side or another. So we split almost equally. Really? Yeah. And John and a few of the others stayed with the WP, and I understand Mm. why they did that. Um, Mm. uh, uh, Me and a few others went with DL. And we all went on pragmatic grounds. Mm, mm. We, we, yeah. we went on We our politics didn't change but but some of us I thought look if you go into the WDL if you stay in the WP you can't win because there's a secret organisation and it's, undemoc- it's going to be undemocratic if you go in DL yeah it is run by a bunch of social democrats but we will we will have an opening there that we can build an open radical left there and some <laughs> other people said F this for a game of Cowboys I'm off there's right, no yeah. yeah were you surprised on the party split as it did no
2: Right, you've seen, you've seen that coming. No, I mean, I, I was, was complete surprise to me. Yeah, you know, no. I was, well, up to six months beforehand. I was heavily
0: involved in the plotting. Uh, and right. despite my... This, you know, when when we, about six months beforehand, it started opening out, really, the split started. Mm. Uh, there was no third way then. It was just... So I kind of suspended the politics. And and as men... I guess a lot of people did and said, right, mm. this is a kind of matter of life and death. And I thought... I'd have regrets is not the right word there but I I don't think it was necessarily the right thing to do at the time but I thought right we have to get out of this party it's it's going nowhere and and the military thing is the main thing it's going to drag it down and it's going to kill us and we have to break with it and we uh, w- uh, so I was thoroughly involved in all the planning and planning that went on the DL side that right people on that side and it start, um, meetings and so on and I was one of the and Fergal and others who were not social democrats but were actually arguing for splitting for leaving we were arguing for break now don't wait don't try to reform it you know right. uh, Okay. in hindsight I, I don't think that was a good idea but there you go and um, so yes yeah, so I was involved right from the beginning in that part of the split yeah and, and
2: that obviously predated the six months. It's obviously coming for
0: a year or two. I don't think so. I certainly wasn't. I think it was six months. I think it started really quickly. I, I think people put, tiptoed around it. The Harris faction thing, the, the expulsion, mm-hmm. expulsion, the ejection of the Harris group. Um, About 88, 89. Uh, 90, yeah. actually, it happened. So, Sorry, so, so what happens yeah. there is that was the thing that precipitated the... the the speed with which the other thing happened because mm. the Harris group had been operating in, in semi-secret fashion and dominating the party in different ways for the best part of 15 years. And, mm. and Owen Harris, I think, um, uh, and this is, I this is just my, my, my kind of view of what happened at the time. Mm. Uh, I think he misjudged the, the temperature and mood. He had lost touch with what was happening and yeah. he thought he could do what he did in the late seventies where he, uh, pushed basically through the Irish Industrial Revolution, himself and Smolin and the others, pushed a certain change of line. Mm. And they did it subtly, but they did it you know, by just basically spreading something so that it became a fait accompli. And I think he thought that it was possible to do that again. And he had a very clear ideological position. He wanted to push the party to... Uh, I suspect he wasn't even a social democrat at that time, but right-wing social democracy, and that he would do it and he would use the same connections and so on. But, and he started it by, by writing De Ross's 1989 speech. He wrote that speech, uh, and I know that, or most of it, and I know that because Fergal Ross told me and I was privy to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he kept up a barrage of pressure on De Ross. So he thought that by then, through the new leadership and through using the network, that he. And I don't think I'm saying anything unfair here. He, he, he was wanting yeah. to push his politics and he was working to do it in whichever way he could. And that's kind of all fair, love and war sort of thing. Um, but this time, it was a different party. It had a mass membership yeah. who wasn't even aware of him. Uh, yeah. The factions at the top were not as biddable to him. And yeah. I, I'm quite proud of the role that we played because there's one thing we did achieve, the Third Way grouplet. We did everything in our power. I spent hours on the phone talking to people throughout Ireland, everyone I could get a phone number for, mm-hmm. to tell them about what was happening, to warn them what it was happening, to, to argue against uh, what... Um, the politics. Yeah. Well. So it was. Sometimes people take this very personally, and I think if you look at some of the things Owen Harris wrote it was quite personal. But I, mm-hmm. I don't take it personally. Yet. Owen Harris could have been a social democrat. He could have been on the Stalin side. It, could be, it was. I was fighting against the worst thing I could thought could happen, worse than anything yeah. else, that we would be turned into a right wing social Dem- democratic party or something more right wing. And yeah. so we worked mm-hmm. really hard against that. And I think we played a role because the social democrat, the parliamentarians, didn't like him and wanted rid of him but they actually mm. he was right he said this himself they, they shared a lot of his views but they didn't want to yeah. come out with it whereas yeah. the Stalinists didn't like him either but they had acquiesced to him for so long Stalinist might be an unfair word the old Republican government so <clears> it throat> acquiesced throat> so long that they didn't really and they knew that it might lead to things that they didn't want and so on if he was yeah. not. so we did play an active role in that and yeah I think what we did was we gave a bit of backbone to the parliamentary crowd and the others to eventually rid of him, to to defeat the thing. And then he had to leave and and his faction. Once that was out of the open, then anything was out of the open. And very quickly, that opened the terrain for a bit later, because it wasn't until the middle of 1991 that the split, that the plotting and planning and Mm -hmm. splitting started. But the terrain Mm -hmm. had been laid. There was no more saying you can't have factions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. In the meantime, they would also been fairly, from the standard of the party, poor local elections.
1: Yeah, we
0: didn't do as well as they expected, though you got a seat. Yeah, so in 1989 was our height. We we won the Euro seat. We won eight, seven, or eight, I can't remember, seven or eight seats. And we were close in a few more. So it was the height of our thing. Now, by 91, the star had faded a little bit for a few reasons. First of all, because... 18, undoubtedly the fall of the Berlin Wall for a party that at least in some of the public eye and the media's eye was linked to Eastern Europe, that was Mm. bound to have an impact. Mm. Um, The factional struggles had maybe dissipated some of the enthusiasm and so on. And the Mm -hmm. Labour Party were, if I'm correct, were around that time beginning to recover a little bit. So... Um, so yeah, we did badly. We didn't do badly. We didn't. We had hoped for a big breakthrough in, mm. the, but you know, we made a breakthrough in Dunleary. Yeah, uh, and we made a big breakthrough. We won three council seats. We won one, and we nearly won four. We just missed Marion mm. White and Blackrock. Uh, so we nearly won four seats. We uh, made a big breakthrough there, and the reason was that we had a huge campaigning organisation. We sold over in the. Local authority estates of, of throughout Dundee and that would stretch down to Shankill and back up to Blackrock. Mm. We sold hundreds of Irish peoples every week. Wow. Um, we had branches in each of the areas. We were breaking into sub branches. I had a central Dundee branch, which we were in the process of breaking into a Sally Noggin mm. and Monkstown branches. And that's just one, the centre of Dundee, the ward that covered the area. Uh, we were active in a really big housing action campaign because there were mm. 800. To a thousand local party houses that didn't have indoor bathrooms and toilets in Dunleary at the time, and we organised them street by street in the centre of Dunleary. If you know, if you know, real Dunleary as yeah. they call it, Dominic Street, the little mm. red brick houses built by the British uh, mm. before independence council houses. There were people living their families without any with cold water taps in in 1989, That's- 90, and. And we had a street-by-street street campaign. I remember Jane dillon Bourne, a Labour councillor, stopping me on a, in Dominic Street and saying, I know what you're up to, your Bolshevik tactics. I, I had a lot of time for Jane, by the way. She was a good person and a and, and principled person. But anyway, your Bolshevik yeah. tactics. And we were, <laughs> and we, we, we built it street-by-street street throughout those estates. And we won the campaign. Yeah. They They... They renovated those over the years. So we had a really deep base in the working class areas of Dunberry and we won the council seats on the back of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And
0: of course Eamon okay. Gilmore, you have to give him credit, was an incredible constituency worker. He worked night and day. He had mm-hmm. advice centers everywhere and he integrated us into those advice centres to make sure that we got and so we rode on his coattails as well.
2: Right. And did, I mean, did you find then with everything else like having to take on that role, I mean, was another <laughs> was it another layer of chaos and and, and hassle or was it, was it okay? It was, was too it
0: much t- really, because then yeah. it began to tell and this is the warning always about council seats. If you're a councillor, it becomes, it, a public representative will become consumed by it and consumed mm-hmm. not only in the work, but you cannot avoid that the institutions are pulling you in a certain direction. And that's why I'm not a, a, opposed to socialists running for <laughs> elections, obviously, but the the public representatives must always be subordinate because and must be because there has to be a strong pull to pull them the the minute the yeah. public reps become the leading people in the party you've got a serious problem because the institutional pulls if you have any structural understanding of capitalism why would an individual socialist be immune mm. to the pulls and so what are the pulls the pulls are just all the clientless work that you have to do to be elected, which brings you in one way very close to people, but it also doesn't allow you to lift your eyes from the immediate solutions yeah. to problems, which are not solutions to the problems. Mm. So there's no more housing action campaigns, really. There was lots of really? there was there was lots of column going to the council about individual housing issues and so on. But try as I might, and I did, I couldn't lift at the campaigns, and I became swamped in it. Uh, and and that was a problem and once we went into DL there was no question of a campaigning party or a structural background to that so yeah it became a and for me and eventually that's why I gave it up even though I was an independent counsellor because the clientless Mm -hmm. thing just became everything and therefore I felt that I was not contributing in any way to any serious social change you know.
2: You transferred with WP 3 to DL as a counsellor. Once the split had occurred, how did you feel? Were you happy or were you... No, I was,
0: I I remember, I'll be honest with you, I remember coming home and I remember sitting and put on the day of the conference. No, maybe it it was, no, it wasn't the conference a few weeks before when there was a really Mm. ferocious meeting with all the local representatives and stuff. Mm. And I came home and I put my hands in my head and I cried. And I tell you the honest reason was not out of some silly. I, I, I stopped being loyal to a party from the 1980s, but I and I hope I still am loyal to the principles of socialism. And I knew that we were on the cusp of the destruction of a working-class party. And I, I was one of the people who was arguing, get out, get out, because I thought there might be a way out. Mm. But I knew it was bad. I, I didn't welcome it. I did, even though I'd been arguing for leaving it, I didn't welcome what happened. Yeah. And I yeah. knew I, was, I had my eyes fully open. I knew mm-hmm. where I was going. I knew what Pat Rabbit and Eamon Gilmore's politics were, maybe not the Russell, but the others. Mm-hmm. And I remember what my friend John O'Neill said, and we were talking about it, it's, Gil, it's, it's Garland or, Gil, or Rabbit. And I, I think my answer was something, well, I don't necessarily trust Rabbit, but I think that I can operate in a regime Run by really? rabbits more openly than I could <laughs> in a regime run by Garland. You know that that was the kind of. So yeah. no, I and you know what? Within a month or two, because the question of coalition came up straight away after the mm. 1992 elections, and I could see then that they were itching to get in. Yeah. And the only reason they didn't enter is Finaglia wouldn't have them. Uh, we lost the votes on the executive, and I distinctly remember um, two things about those debates in. Early '92, when we were discussing coalition, because it seemed to be on the cards, and one of them was Pat Rabbit. And, and I, you know, I had more time for Pat Rabbit than the last, the, a lot of the other people on that wing of the party because mm. he was always direct. Yeah, he he's very really, open in a way. He did decide this, yeah. you know. Another person, by the way, who I had a lot of time for was um oh, um, um uh, Liz McManus's husband, um, John 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 yeah. John always was clear that he was. Some sort of social democrat, and he came out openly. with But anyway, uh, yeah. Pat Rabbit, yeah. I, I gave an impassioned speech against um, at the meeting against coalition, and Pat yeah. Rabbit stood up and he said, "Colum is always very sincere and very passionate in the way he puts his arguments, and I respect him, but Colum." Is always wrong, <laughs> 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 uh, I, I, and I had to laugh at that. It was good. It was a good one. A typical rabbitism, you know. He, he wasn't. He was referring to the coalition. Yeah. But the other one I remember is Kathleen Lynch, who later became yeah. a TD. Uh, after we had been discussing this, and I was strongly arguing for it, and she turned round to me, and this mm. was the same person who had stood up at the split Irish and and opposed the split, seemed to be on mm. the side of Sean Garland, said I trust Sean Garland, called Eric and a gutty boy, and right. within a week was in DL. And Kathleen Lynch turned around to me after that meeting about coalition, and she said to me, Colin Bush, it's a question of democracy. Would you accept the decision if we vote to go into coalition? And I said to Kathleen Lynch, I would accept it and leave. Mm. Because democracy is the system you have in the party, but it doesn't tie you to doing something that's against your principles. So I, had a cl- I clearly knew where we were at right from the beginning and what i thought we could do was build uh some sort of what the dl pretended to be a radical green environmental yeah. left. there and i worked hard to do that to, to create a faction uh yeah. in dl uh, not successfully honestly. <laughs> this is kind of litany of failures in some ways the next time in the next in the next life yeah. And you were on the executive as well. So, I mean, yeah. Two, I mean yeah. I think as I was a councillor, you, you had a bit more prominence than that. And yeah, and it was a smaller party and it shrank. It's quickly shrunk to a party of notables, as Come in the Mail was called. It TD's councillors yeah. and its membership was different. And I knew that in Dunleary, the working class base shrank and the middle class base grew. And the Massive, people yeah. who were the, the lots of the people in DL were not socialists. And I'm not saying this in a cruel or or or, mm. or superior way. They were liberals. They were left of centre. They'd happily fit in the Liberal Democrats in Britain. They were they were le- They'd happily have been in the Labour Party. Should have been in the Labour Party. Uh,
2: and and some of the reasons why I think one of the the hugely anti-republican tilts of DL, which in some ways was even more so than yeah. the WP had been. But you could see the part of that was okay. People who were there at the top, but also people were coming in. It's like you said. Like I remember meetings in the first couple of weeks, and to be all these people flooding in who you'd never seen before, yeah. never been active. Yeah, they're coming from the more middle class areas. Not all of them, in fairness, but you know, it was it was it was interesting. It was a revelation.
0: Yeah, and I think the classic kind of um, Dublin middle class hostility to it wasn't just to nationalists; anything to with the north. Yeah. was manifested there strongly. Um, Almost phobic. Yeah, so there was no hope for it from the beginning, but I yeah. thought that what you could do is create a faction that might then mm. have some sort of life of its own, but it, it, mm. it wasn't possible. It was, base wasn't there, and the people working in it was, actually, the grouping, I think the people more involved in those efforts in DL mm. uh, was bigger than the third Way group we had in the WP, because some of the ex-Labor Party people got involved because they had been left-wing and come into DL thinking they would get a new left party. So they yeah. got involved with us in trying to do that factional work and pose mm. coalition uh, as well. So I thought there was some potential mm. for it. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the, the whole
2: thing about the name as well? There's all the...
0: Yes. Uh, <laughs> they, didn't want the the, they didn't want Democratic left. They, they, yeah, they, they right. It was the worst one. And, and me and Fergal did organise for that and canvas for it and so on. Yeah. And I think yeah. other people did. And uh, they, they, were, they didn't want it. They wanted nothing to do with left. What, they wanted People's Party or they wanted whatever the yeah. other rub- new agenda or something. And they, they were burdened with a name that they hated. I couldn't stand. <laughs> uh, Maybe De Rossi did. I mean, the thing was, one of the things that brought me into it was I thought DeRosa's, Pontius DeRosa's politics at that stage was, was where roughly we were at. I thought he was committed to democratic socialism Of some sort. Maybe left reformism, let's call it that, but not social democracy, not going into coalition. And I remember um, uh, another member who was kind of linked to that kind of leftish milieu, uh, uh, Anne-Marie O'Connor, telling me she went to a a, a public speech that De Rossa gave in UCD, where he was asked directly about coalition. This was about a year before they went into coalition. He said no, and he outlined the reasons why not, coalition with a right-wing party.
2: So you obviously clearly saw like there was going to be a form of coalition. There was going to mm-hmm. be some sort of movement towards government. Yeah. Because um, we'd, we'd met on the International Committee. of was Democratic yeah. left. Um, and I, the jo- I've always made the joke like it was a sign of the degradation of my political uh, progress that I was in a party that would give me a committee. <laughs> See, but it was very easy to be on any committee inside DL. It
0: wasn't exactly... The- <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like the WP. They didn't kind of keep... No. They didn't gerrymander it to keep the unreliable oh, no. stuff.
2: So. How, when when the rupture came, I mean, with DL, how how did that come about? Let's put it that way.
0: Okay, so I, I knew where they were going, uh, mm. and I'd been working kind of to build some sort of left with other people. Um, mm. And I could see the negotiations started then in 92, uh, 94, mm. uh, and it, the few months of negotiations, if I remember correctly, in the autumn of 94. I could see where it was going. I knew the position of all the people. I was I was very close to Eamon Gilmore. I worked very close to Eamon Gilmore. I had a lot of time. I think Eamon Gilmore, I, I just want to put this on record. I disagree with him totally politically. I think as a, an individual, a decent and, and nice person, and always was to me um, mm. and to my family. Um, mm. But I knew Eamon's politics and I knew Eamon had social democratic politics. I don't think you'd disagree with this. I mean, maybe you'd like to say this right from when I knew him, really. I think he was always kind of a social democratic. But I knew from discussions with Gilmore and that that they had no problem with coalition. Mm. I thought the opposition to it would be stronger. Yeah, there was no opposition. Next there was effectively very little, and no TD would. And I thought Eric Byrne, for example, who often seemed to be more on left reforms, or even De Ross himself, but they capitulated fairly quickly. Mm. Uh, and there was no opposition other than the few lone voices. And in the end, at the conference, there were 16 votes against entering coalition if I remember correctly. That's right. I spoke against it. Fergal Ross spoke against it and a number of others did. But we mm. had no prominence in the party. Mm. And what disappointed me deeply, and I have to say this, was that a number of people who worked with us and claimed to be opposed to coalition suddenly shifted mm. and became, without our knowledge, and became pro-coalitionists mm. <laughs> overnight uh, as they entered government. And, and it... I knew where it was going, it was disappointing, but it was freeing in a way I knew. And, and you know, one of the things that was sad was in a way, I had given 14 years of my life to, to that organization, it's two sides, not anything like other people that sacrificed, but I had, and you know, Hardly anyone yeah. said to me, Maybe you sh- don't, don't go or, or you know, think okay. again. And I'll tell you who, because I think they should. They, there was a uh, Seamus Lynch from the North, who a lot of people gave a hard time for, for going to. Mm-hmm. Seamus Lynch came up to me at that conference and said, "Colin, I understand your position, I respect it, I don't agree with it, but you mm-hmm. should stay in and fight because we need voices from the left like you, which mm-hmm. is decent of them. And there's a few other people, Carol Haney, uh, who was Em Gilmore's partner and an activist in her own right, obviously. Uh, had. Yeah. But I, I knew. I knew that was it anyway the game was a bogey i left a small number of people left with me and a few later on and i kind of focused on just working in Dunleary as an independent counselor with a small i called myself independent left actually right okay brilliant and was involved in the one tax cafe yes 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 yes, an independent left i like very much you're you're ahead of the curve
2: there um that's yeah, because I, I left I left at exactly the same time, but and for exactly the same reasons, more or less, and uh, yeah, but there was nowhere really to go. That was the problem.
0: Yeah, there, there wasn't. C- was. Kieran, C- the C- in in relation to you, because you mentioned the international affairs thing of DL, because that had something that had a profound impact on me, and you'll remember this because you were you you'll remember you've spoken to me before about this. Mm. There was a big argument about Bosnia, the war in Bosnia during that period, and in 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 dl and we managed to get the party to take a position um a pro uh democracy pro multicultural bosnian position mm. against the fascists the serb fascists and so on That's right. uh, but princer ignored it and took That's a pro serb right. view and that was sh- that was more shocking to me than all the revelations in the WP because they weren't revelations to me in the WP. I knew what was going on. I wasn't directly involved, but I knew it. I happened to have changed my position on it and saw it as wrong. and so on. But I knew nothing shocked me, but to see people who call themselves socialists or social Democrats arguing in favor of genocide, because that's what they did was horrifying to me. And, and by the way, the Stalinists did as well, of course. And for me, it was a key moment in my political life because I, I said to myself, I, in a way, I, I had to go back to my old dad's position. I have to be mm. on the side of the oppressed. I can't find myself on the side of people that would argue for the mass murder. I mean, people denying the rape camps and so on. It was horrifying mm. to me. Yeah. And I was very active in the Ireland-Bosnia uh, action campaign, yeah. um, uh, which was a brilliant campaign, involved Bosnian and refugees. Mm. So that was a that was a turning point for me. I said, I'm never going to be on the side of mass mergers again and maybe that people will laugh at that so you you, you discovered that when you were kind of 30 or whatever but there you go, yeah. so that, that was a big thing for me, a really big yeah. thing and I lost any, there was no loyalty then in my view towards a party it was just wherever I can fight for the principles I'll go you know?
2: Yeah I remember that well, yeah that certainly had a big impact on me as well, I, I think there's a whole bunch of things their attitude towards the ceasefire is the attitude towards uh, that sort of thing and then a clear wish to go into government so you're out on your own at that stage and then I presume you held the seat until or did you keep? Did you contest the seat again after that no I didn't
0: and I, yeah. I was out on my own well, um, I held on to it until 97 until just about a year before the election was held I, um, mm. and I guess it gradually dawned on me that okay I had no party I had supporters and so on and I think I might have held the seat even if DL had run against me or Labour or whatever they were at that stage I worked hard but I could I I, I wasn't just I I wasn't a counselor for the sake of being counselor. I had never wanted to be a public representative. Much as I enjoyed doing the work and so on. I was there for a reason. And the reason it faded, because what did that do? I didn't have revolutionary views at that stage. I I, I was guess what when we could you know, we've discussed this on hmm. CLR a bit, I would have left reformist politics, I guess, at the time. Hmm. But I definitely saw thought that they that you needed a party to bring about a transformation of society. Hmm. Uh, and it wasn't there and I wasn't in it. And the other parties, I worked with the Socialist Party with Joe Higgins, but they, because of their, not because, it it was not their ideas, but their internal structure, I wasn't going into a party Mm -hmm. that wasn't democratic, and it wasn't democratic. Uh, uh, So I came to a conclusion then, I am not making, I am helping people individually, but you could do that Mm -hmm. in all sorts of spheres, and I'm not advancing politics, my politics in any way. So I made the decision that I would step down from the seat. And I did that. And I actually handed the seat over to DL because the alternative would have been that Fianna Fáil would have grabbed it mm. or tried to give it to the WP. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest which I went to Gilmore and I said, um, tell me who you're going to push to take that seat. And there were some people who I would have said, no, okay, I'm not giving it up to you then. <laughs> and there were other people. And actually the man who got it, Paddy, oh, Paddy's name has gone from my head, but it was a good, good working class comrade from uh, mm-hmm. Bobby Brack had stayed with DL and so on. But I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it in. So I gave I gave it up and I left. <laughs> Great. Uh, and that was it. And I kind of pulled back a good bit then from politics. The nomenclature can sometimes be difficult because to me there's kind of three strands. There's the Stalinist stroke Orthodox Communist, which is at least formally committed to overthrowing capitalism, but replacing it with an authoritarian one party state, which is the the way they believe that that leads the working class to socialism and so on. Mm. And then there's the social democratic position, which classically was the idea that you could, through various ways, peacefully bring about the end, the transformation of capitalism to socialism uh, without the need for a revolutionary or sharp break. Now, what that would be today is left reformism, or maybe the language that you, we would have used in the 80s, Eurocommunism. And, and in my view, it's an honourable tradition, and, and, and I, share, I believe that I share values and principles with people who are socialists who take a left reformist position. I just happen mm-hmm. to disagree with them. And then there's a revolutionary socialist position, which is mm-hmm. a transformationist position, that you cannot reform capitalism out of existence, that you cannot cha- bring about transformation just by getting elected and having been in government, but is committed to democracy, and and believes that you, you have to and must work for a transformation that happens, a radical break, and that it happens primarily through mass democratic action as well as through electoral action, and that those are three. And now, where everyone fits in, you know, where do transgenders yes. fit in? Because they're undemocratic internally. But ideologically, they're quite committed to that radical break, and they're not, you know, so, so it's it's very hard to pass away. But I know myself, I think I've been through all those <laughs> myself, and I think I've moved to the left, really. Right. Maybe right. others wouldn't. So, yeah. my whatever my teenage radicalism, it was yeah. disparate and so on, but, but certainly going from a more orthodox to maybe a Euro communist, left reformist position, yeah. gradually then. Coalescing to being coming firmly without any, um, not in a dogmatic way, but saying Mm. uh, revolutionary socialism or transformational socialism, again, depends on, it's just a matter of language uh, that I would be committed to. Because I don't see a difference of principle
1: Mm.
0: in terms of the difference between me and a left reforms position. I do see a massive difference of principle between me and social you know, social liberals, as they call the modern social Labour Party, mm-hmm. SDs, mm-hmm. they are not interested in, so, in in creating a different society. Mm-hmm. Now, I can work with people like that because mm-hmm. if they're honest about it. And I see a gulf that is unbridgeable between my politics, revolutionary socialism and Stalinism, because in that gulf, mm-hmm. not to be over dramatic about it, are millions of bodies. And mm-hmm. I will not work with people or have anything to do with people who justify, for example, the butchering of workers who who at this very moment support Lukashenko's butchering yeah. oh, regime goodness. in in Belarus and so on. So for me, they're hap- I'm happy for people to call themselves socialists. I Any mean, everyone has a right to do, but their socialism and my socialism is different. Okay. Is it, not, not different. It means something completely different. It's it's as different from my view and a right wing person. View. But on the broad, if we exclude that sort of ultra Stalinism and so on, on the broad broad level of, I think the. The values that people share. And I, I'm, I'm not dogmatic. I think you can be a strong revolutionary socialist, stand strongly on it and still work with people and recognize that their principles are equally as strong as yours, that their commitment to the rights of workers, that their commitment to all the things I believe in is as valid as mine, only they have a different view of how you achieve it. And I believe they're View of how you achieve it is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Just you know what I mean. So, so I've never had any problem with working with people who have different views from me. And I think the good thing is is when people are open about it. For the purposes of clarity, we have to I, um, analytically differentiate these things. But in practice, life is messy. Mm. And I think I, I I had a quote from Marx there. In in uh, I haven't even mentioned Karl Marx. And I had a quote from Marx, which is in one of the prefaces to Das capital He says, "I'm not." interested in the cooks of the future or cookbooks of the future. He was castigating the utopian socialists and said, don't ask me to give you a big plan, exact plans, because no one knows, mm. uh, contrary to deterministically, Maxim. So it's going to be messy. Yeah. Uh, who, who will be proven right or wrong? Who knows? But I just think that it's a danger. It's more dangerous to think that you can march into the institutions, go into government and do it like that, mm-hmm. than to see, it's about the weight, it's not that I don't believe it would be a good thing to have a socialist government or workers' government, but it's about the weight mm-hmm. of what pushes you towards transformation. And I have never really seen, if you look at the Chile, now granted mm-hmm. very difficult, difficult, but the pressures you can look there is the pressures on him, uh, mainly from the Communist Party and the right wing of the Zone Party, was to pull against um, radicalization. Transformation, radicalization. Yeah. radicalization, and the pressure the opposite way. And I'm not saying the other groups, like I've, I've read a very interesting book recently about the MIR, the
1: mm. movement,
0: independent, revolutionary left in, in Chile, grassroots campaign and so on. So the pressures were there. Now, there's no model, but you can see that the pressures of left, that the, that the idea that you just get into the state and then you gradually bring about change, but you don't frighten the, the children that much. Mm-hmm doesn't work uh, and and equally someone who said well show me where yeah. the revolutionary." and my answer tends to be there it does work the revolutionary transformation but gets crushed mm. because it has so many enemies the capitalist class obviously want to crush it but so do other authoritarian forces so the anarchist collectives in spain you know thousands and thousands of people involved in aragon as so well crushed by both the stalinists and the fascists the
2: Oum as well yeah. The left yeah, the
0: POUM and, and they made mistakes, but the same thing, mm. the, the Soviets actually, when someone says to me, do you support the Russian Revolution? I said, I said, it was three. It was the February Revolution, mm. the bourgeois one, as they used to call it. There was the October Revolution, the Bolshevik one. But there was the other revolution that happened, which was the workers taking over their factories and, and running them and their communities. And that was the Bolsheviks soon finished that once they took power. And that's the revolution that I believe in. It's the seizure of power by ordinary people in their workplaces and their communities. Now, how that happens and how that might interrelate with the socialist government. Who knows? It's cookbooks of the future. Yeah. And I'm not going to write them.
2: <laughs> so, I mean, you kind of pop up here and there, like in the Left Archive, you did some stuff around the uh, ORM's 2000. Uh, reprint in in the year 2000, The United Irishman. You have an article in that. And later on, you joined the ISN when that's founded and so forth.
0: So, I mean, how did those things come about? So I hadn't lost, obviously, left-wing politics. I I was still left-wing, but I wasn't very active, but I still maintained an interest, but I wasn't active in any party political organisation. And I knew about the ORM split in 98 with when a lot of the and people in the North and people who've been active in the military wing of the WP broke away on the grounds that they didn't on the grounds of democracy mm. and also on the grounds of the WP where had turned to unionism are completely. Mm. Now I have to say that the position that I didn't have that worry about the North that, that you had at the time, it took me longer to kind of develop that position mm. to see that. Mm. but um, I was still in touch. I'd remained in touch, I think, more or less with John O'Neill and some of the other people in the WP, so I hadn't lost complete touch. Sean (laughs) O'Connor, in fact, was that. So when the split happened, I knew some of the people in the ORM, and I think, I can't remember, but in the interaction with John and that, they had suggested me to write one, and I had no problem with it. I saw it as a progressive. I wouldn't agree with it because I thought, just, the, just the, the fact that they were still saw themselves in the Republican mode. I had some problems with just the wording and so on. And mm-hmm. I didn't agree necessarily with all their politics, but I had sympathy for them, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't join them. And But I did, yeah, so I, I, I wrote stuff for them and uh, I, I had some sympathy, but not, no connection because they weren't really active in the South, John, the yeah, field mm-hmm. and a few other people were in it. It was a Belfast-based yeah. organization. Yeah yeah
2: and then when the isn did coalesce yeah you, you so, did obviously join that
0: yeah so well i, I guess we, we argued about this actually me and some of the comrades in the i s n about who was who founded i thought i was one of the founders and then someone else said no no we founded and you joined it so no i was there <laughs> i think i was there from right from the beginning yeah so it was a small number of us they were yeah. ex-wp people actually ironically all of us have been in wpy some of us have been in that kind of third way thing the socialist right. digest so we're back together it was a reunion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, It started out, and what we started out was simply trying to remobilize. We knew there was lots and lots of XWP people because we knew after the split, most people went with the third party, which was the no-party party. party. Uh, And we we thought there was a potential there for reactivating people like ourselves, XWP people who rejected both sides. And we contacted lots of people, and we had one or two meetings where there was but we did, and again, we were working off limited lists and stuff like that. We didn't yeah. know mm-hmm. lots of people and we contacted people and we built, yeah. Uh, it didn't take off in that sense. So we thought we'd be able to mobilize lots of XWP people and that didn't happen. But we had a core mm. of about, you know, probably starting about 10 people and then eventually about 10 to 20, it depends how you count for them.
1: Mm. And we
0: also had a base because we had a number of people, John O'Neill, uh, Ernie Hughes yeah. uh, and other people in Thingless mm. and on the near to Thingless. And we made a conscious decision after a fairly short period of time mm. that we would focus our activity on Thingless in terms mm. of working on the ground there. And we became very active in the anti-bin tax campaign. Yeah. Uh, and we built a name for ourselves, but we didn't recruit many people. But as and our politics wasn't maybe entirely clear, but we were Radical socialists, but we were not the Leninists or the Trotskyists. We were, and we, and we, what distinguished us was we were very disparate actually for a group of 10 or 20 people. We had every <laughs> view under the sun. There was people who were left social democrats, maybe more towards orthodox communism, maybe <laughs> revolutionary socialists. We were very disparate, but we agreed on one thing. We were ultra democratic. We were ultra. We wouldn't even have officers for a long time, and when we had, everyone had to go to every meeting. That was all right. Best <laughs> of luck with Meet, that. M- meetings took a long time yeah. uh, because and and we worked on consensus where we could, and so yeah. we we sort of had picked up the anarchists. Some of the anarchists we worked with the WSM without the wavy <laughs> hands. We we uh, that would have got you kicked out of an ISM meeting. <laughs> but we had a little base in Finglas. We did well in the local elections there. John got I think eight hundred. Votes or something came close to winning the seat, mm. and we worked really hard in the bin tax campaign with Desi Ellis, the Sinn Fein TD. Yeah. yeah, and we were imprisoned for two weeks, me and John. <laughs> uh, That's right, I've forgotten that. Yeah, uh, for our part in the bin tax campaign, and and that was a conscious decision because it, actually, there was a number of prison, the Socialist Party, there, and we worked with them, and we all decided to write this in the court you could defy the the injunction and mm. most people we agreed because they were not political actors wouldn't but we agreed that some of us would defy, and the ISN got two, so right. <laughs> I, I was doing i had my life had changed at that stage and i was in a phd in trinity and i had the grant and so i said oh, i'll go well, my right John, John. Okay. so there, there you go so we have yeah we, we earned our stripes uh, yeah. and and for a small organization i think i think it's fair to say looking back we we kicked a big a bit above our weight mm. and the other left groups paid attention to us in terms of at least had to invite us to the <laughs> front meet. So. Right. so did you, so, I
2: mean, you left Ireland in 2007, seven. Yeah. Two thousand seven. so yeah. the SN obviously continues to keep going. I mean, in some ways, it's I don't know if it's actually still going at the moment. No,
0: it's not. I, I mean, it, it died and- out. Uh, There's a Facebook page in Belfast, but it's not the ISN that is now because it is very different politics. Um, I don't even know who's involved in it, but it's very different politics. It did, but it started fading quickly after around 2010, simply because people, the the critical mass wasn't there. We didn't have enough people. And once a few people started, for for various reasons, not leaving as such one or two people left, but people just actually physically left and had Mm -hmm. to... Dan Dan Finn, who who went to it was later on the editor of of yeah. uh, New Left Review, yeah. deputy yeah. editor, and I think works for Jack. And Dan yeah. was had come from a different. A number of ex-SWP people from UCD had joined with us. Mm. They had left the w, SWP and joined in with us in uh, sometime in the mid nineties. Uh, mm. But Dan had to go. Others go. Some people left Finton Lane, who had who was uh, a historian. Finton had been a mm. member. Finton had left the. Uh, um, show our, our mutual friend and, and so on. So, mm. so there was various people in and out of it and I didn't have the numbers to say it and it just mm. faded away I guess. It didn't split or break up it just faded. Yeah okay
2: and then you moved to Scotland and did you start becoming politically active in Scotland? Well
0: that's an interesting story so, so um, where that starts is in before just around the time the ISN was formed mm. um, in 2001 in 2002, again, because I was being Trinity, I was very involved in the, the, the Palestinian solidarity campaign, the Irish-Palestine solidarity campaign, had been revived by Tom Hyland, actually, the oh, yeah. man who is the, the the East Timor man who lives in yeah. East Timor. Um, <clears throat> Tom, I was good friends with Tom. I worked with him in the East, uh, East Timor campaign. Great character. Uh, and Tom said, I'll start this pa- the Palestine thing up again, but I'm not running it. I'm not doing the work in it. So anyone come along, get involved. And I went along and I got involved and I got really involved and I had time on my hands then I'd also, um, through my personal life had changed, so I was separated from my first wife and uh, mm-hmm. I had a lot of time on my hands and I was free and I wasn't a counsellor. I was studying a PhD. I got a grant, the Re- mm-hmm. Irish Research Council grant to study for a PhD. My PhD, by the way, which hasn't been published yet, is on the history, ge- historical geography of working-class communities in southeast Dublin, 1800 to 1850. So there you go. Wow, uh, one of these days, I'll... I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll get a book out of that. Definitely, um, that's another. That's another. <laughs> yeah, big time. But I had time in my hands and I was relatively free, and I decided to go. on, there was a campaign run by the International Solidarity Campaign to bring people in summer to Palestine to go to villages to accompany people on nonviolent direct action. And I went there for three months in the summer of 2002, and I spent most of that in the village of in the village of Bet Umar, which is just south of. Bethlehem in the West Bank. Long story short while I was there um, I was contacted by the newspaper of the Scottish Socialist Party which at the time was a big party at a time Sheridan elected and so on And had a weekly newspaper called the Socialist Voice mm-hmm. which had a big uh, distribution uh, and I was contacted by them and the editor of it uh, Kath Kyle interviewed me in Janine by I was in a basement of a house with a computer and she interviewed me online through email or whatever it was there uh, and and the interview was published and because of that when i came back uh after in the autumn um, and <clears throat> i was invited to come over and speak about palestine at an annual conference called socialism whatever it was 2002 and mm. uh, that the scottish socialist party ran big conference with loads of people from all over the world and i gave a speech and at That conference, I met Kat Kyle, who was the editor, and she was an um, editor who would interview me. And Subsequently, me and Kat became an item, and we married. You right. know, my great uh, wife. And uh, after a few so, but uh, 2007, I had finished my uh, uh I had finished my PhD. Yes, By the sure. way, I'd been a school teacher all those other years before. Oh, and, right, okay, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, in, right. in yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh. Um, I returned to school teaching for a while, but I wanted to go into academia just because it was mm. nicer than full. Um, and I got a job. We had intended to move back to Scotland, to move to Scotland, to, uh, mm. close to Kat's family. And we, I got a job in Strathclyde University, and I moved over and Kat followed me then. And, uh, yeah, right. so... Fantastic. So that's what, how I got to Scotland. And did you get politically active like immediately, or or? Which? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So obviously, I tried to keep in touch with the ISM. But when I was there, so the the problem was that the SSP was going through that horrendous split caused by Sheridan.
2: That's right. Yeah.
0: Uh, and and uh, and I knew all the leading players through my wife. Uh, you know, all the MSPs, all the. Yeah. Uh, if you read the book Downfall, by Alan McCombs, Alan mm. was the central figure on the. I it you, it's a it's a ripping yarn. Yeah. Uh, it was sad. Absolutely. But uh but I so at the dog end of it, I joined I, I joined the SSP, but it was it had split, it was going through it was as if I had returned to the WMB again. I was doing it, it was it was political uh, masochism. I joined it just as I was going through all this horror. And I, I, I remained active in it until it, it's still there, but it it lost direction completely. Uh, and I've been active uh, um in uh, then there was another attempt to create a broad um, uh, radical left party, subsequent to the Scottish referendum, uh, on the pro-independent side, uh, and called Rise. And that tri- we tried that; it, it was a failure, but we tried it. And I, I'm, I'm still active politically with people who would consider themselves revolutionary socialists. And, and you know, as always, there's always the search for the holy grail, trying to work to. Create it. But I'm a union activist as well. I've, right. Okay. I just got myself into being the part-time and temporary rep in my college. Uh, uh, so yeah, so I'm active there as well. So I think I've 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 kept my part in the class kept my pact. My pact was has always been to I guess to go back to what my dad said, always on the side of the oppressed, always on the side of the workers. Those are the principles that animate me and organizations come and go. Mm-hmm. And I've been too mad, at you. Um, but that, that's that's what motivates me. That's what always will motivate me. Those are the principles that I'd say. It's not always easy to decide where those principles should lead you, but uh, I guess trade union struggle is sometimes easier on the ground. I find because you're you know what you're doing. You're you're on the side of the workers. You're doing the job, uh, and maybe up at a higher level it gets dodgy. And uh, but but I I've not retreated from uh, I think from the politics that I. I'm committed to all those years ago when I read, uh, I guess, when I read my grandfather's copy of Labour and Irish History.